This morning we are going to do a lesson called What is Sanctification? Now you might believe in coincidence or you might believe that God ordains those things which uh, come about. And I do believe God ordained this today. 50 days, uh, 50 days ago, we celebrated Easter. Unfortunately, we didn't get to celebrate it this year in the church. We were all home celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. 50 days later, Bible calendar time, the day of Pentecost took place in Jerusalem. 50 days after the resurrection, Jesus promised that he would send the promise of the Father, who was none other than the great Holy Spirit. And those 120 believers in the upper room in Jerusalem received for the first time the Holy Spirit in, into their souls, into their lives. They received the power of God to go out into the streets of Jerusalem and preach the gospel and witness about Christ. And because of that, when Peter preached, there was 3,000 people saved. And then a few days later, there were 5,000 people saved because of the preaching. And so the church in Jerusalem grew. Uh, it was just a phenomenal thing that, it, that happened. And the greatness of God was shown forth through the Spirit of the Lord coming upon and forming the church. The universal church that started in Jerusalem and spread throughout all the world, even down into Crawley Creek, West Virginia, back in 1940, when some great people, missionaries from New York, came and established a little Sunday school right up the road here at Chester Pridemore's house. And, and uh, it grew into a building seven years later, and we're standing there today in the Stryker Bible Church. The church has expanded. The church has gone all over the world. And it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost just simply means 50. 50 days since the Spirit of God was given. And of course since then we have over the past 2,000 plus years we have experienced the rushing and the movement of the Holy Spirit among us in our hearts and in our lives and in our church. And so today, what is sanctification? How does that uh, parallel with who is the Holy Spirit and what is Pentecost? Well, sanctification is, is that gift that God has given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read our uh, verse for today and and our definition, and then we'll get right into our lesson on what is sanctification. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so we see this is, uh, as we've been studying, what is salvation? Uh, this is uh, one of those elements of salvation. That when you got saved, the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit entered your life and He changed you 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so sanctification took place the moment you got saved. The Holy Spirit came into your heart, removed your sins, washed you in the blood of Jesus, and He filled you with His presence. Now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of your life. And so it is not that God comes into your your life and He demands or twists your arm or says you've got to, but He comes into your life as a gentleman and He asks you to let Him have control of your life. Now whether you do that or not, that's up to you. Certainly if you want to be in the will of God, if you want to, if you want to uh, uh, exalt the Lord Jesus and you want Him to, to be your best friend, then you're going to let Him have control of your life. And so the definition of sanctification is somewhat uh, uh, sophisticated here, but it's, it's simple. And we'll get to the simplicity of it at the end. But it is the process in which holiness is the completed state. It is God's will that sinful attitudes and actions should be put to death in the Christian life. His nature and His character renewed after the image of God in Christ. His obedience to God increased so that He lives to please God. All these things take place through the power of and the help of the Holy Spirit. In other words, in simplicity, you are set apart. When you get saved, you are set apart to do a work for Christ. No one has been saved to sit in the pew of do nothing. No one has been saved to go to an island and live until you die and do nothing for the Lord. You are a tool you are a vessel. God wants to use you if you let Him. You see, it's us that deny the Lord access to our, to our temple, to the temple that He has given us, our body, that He might use ourselves to glorify Him. Now, there is a word that is connected with sanctification that is sometimes thought of as being old-fashioned. Uh, sometimes it, is, it, is, it has been given uh, a raw deal because it is something that you and I ought to be doing. And that is we should be living holy. Holiness is sometimes a scary word for Christians. Sometimes we have the image of holiness as women with their hair up in a beehive or a hornet's nest type fixture on top of their head with long dresses and long sleeves, no makeup, and uh, a lot of emotionalism in their worship of God. That is not holiness. That may be what some have perceived in the past as being, being a holy person. And if you feel that that's the way you you want to express yourself in, 
in serving God. That, that is outwardly all right, but inwardly is where the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. And so to allow the Holy Spirit to live through you, this means we are to yield ourselves to Christ in every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of our lives. You see, uh, there were several uh, examples of holiness in the Scripture. Uh, let us think back to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was a mountain in which God came down and met Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. The people were told, you are to surround Mount Sinai, but there is a border or a fence that is going to be put up around that mountain, and you shall not touch that mountain because it is holy. It's set apart for the work of God, to give the holy law of God to his people. And so Mount Sinai, we call it a holy place. Then you recall when uh, Solomon built the temple and uh, it was constructed and it was a place that was set aside to worship God. It was a holy place. Then you re recall that when Daniel was taken into captivity into uh, Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar took some of the holy vessels. Those were different vessels that were used in the worship of God in the tabernacle and in the, the temple to be, to come. And, and therefore, it was they were set aside as what God would use, would, what men would use to worship God with. And if you recall, in, in the... Uh, uh, book of Daniel that uh, the uh, king Belshazzar he had given a, a feast about a thousand of his uh, guests were there and they were all drinking and drugging and sexting and all the other things that go on in uh, places that Christians should not attend uh, and uh, the king said, well, these cups that we have out here are not good enough for my guests. And so he sent down to the, to the place where they sto uh, stored the loot that they had taken from Jerusalem. And they brought those holy vessels into the presence of the king. And he started drinking the uh, intoxicating wine from these vessels, and then the hand appeared on the side of the wall and it wrote, Judgment is coming tonight. That's paraphrase, God be addition. And the king stopped and he looked up and he did not understand, and all the music stopped and all the people became silent. And Daniel was brought in, and Daniel said, King, you've been weighing the balances and you've been found wanting. Tonight you will die. Why? Because he desecrated those holy vessels of God. There are things that have been set aside for God's use that we should never, we should never desecrate. That would include your body. In the New Testament, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that you should not defile your body. 
which is God's. It was bought with a price. The blood of Christ. And so, as Christians, when you get saved, the second you get saved, the Spirit of God possesses your body. And this body is set aside. It is holy unto the Lord. It is to be used to glorify God. Therefore, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, sex outside of marriage, abuse of any kind to the temple of God is desecrating the temple of God. You see, this church house is set aside as a place where we worship. But the people make up the church. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't live here when we go out of the doors. He goes with us. He is in us. And we're to not just live in front of all our Christian friends like we're goody-two-shoe, but we should live that way every second of every hour, whether we're by ourselves at home in our own room or whether we're out in public, we should display God, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The words sanctification and holiness are translated the same in the Old and the New Testament. The moment that Jesus enters a person's life, he is set apart, or she is set apart, to do the will of the Lord. Let us look at Paul's precious scripture in Ephesians chapter number 1. And we want to read verse number 13. And I'm going to tell you this sums up what happened the moment you got saved. Now listen carefully. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now as people, you don't have to believe in eternal security if you don't want to, but that verse right there tells you you're eternally saved. You're eternally sealed with the Holy Spirit. You, if you don't want to believe that, fine. You try to work it out on your own. But Jesus already worked out my salvation, paid in full, and I don't have to do another thing to get to heaven, even though I want to because I love Him. And I will continue to because I love Him for what He did for me. But look at that. You were setting, this is what this verse says, you were sitting under the preaching of the God's Word, whether it was in a Sunday school class watching Billy Graham on an old classic. You you were witnessed to by somebody uh, somewhere along life's way. You read a gospel tract. You picked up the Word of God and read it in a, a hospital room or a dentist office, and the Holy Spirit convicted you. And you allowed the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You believed, and then you were sealed with Him. Eternally secure in Christ. You don't believe that? Let's do it again. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 
People say, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, have you ever received it? Yeah, the day I got saved, I received it. Matter of fact, the moment I got saved, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have to come back to an altar. Nobody had to get me uh, in some kind of a tizzy to where I felt like I needed more than what I'd already got. You see, it's not that, that, that you and I need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. In other words, we're to surrender ourselves as we hear the word spoken, as we read the word ourselves, as we hear the word sung, as we read the word through tracts or gospel movies or whatever, as the Spirit of God teaches and speaks to our heart about our lives, we're to surrender more and more and more and more of ourselves. You see, some people might not understand that it's wrong to do certain things and, and to have certain things or to go to certain places where the more you're in the Word of God, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what's right, what's wrong, and the more you can live in His will. And so let us read 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body, now uh, Paul is using the illustration of the human body here. He says, as the body is one. In other words, you're looking right now at me, John E. God, but you see my body. I've got arms, fingers, somewhat of a brain, a head, legs, toes. You see me. This is my body. All of this makes me up. Right? For as the body is one and has many members. I just named a lot of the members. I could name my heart, my lungs, uh, my tendons, my, my uh, ears, my eyeballs. I mean, all those members make up my body. All members of that, of that body, that one body being many, are one body. I'm one person. And then he says, also is Christ. In other words, this is the way Christ's body is made up. Look at all of us. Just take a, turn around and look at everybody that's here today. We are the body of Christ. Jerry may be the ear. Helen may be the toe. Jim may be the brain. We, we are all part of the body of Christ. Whether we're black, white, red, brown, pink. Have to let him Hey, we're all Christ's people. We make up His body, His church. For by one Spirit. How is this? Though we're all individual, different personalities. But we are all one together in Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body. There's your baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved... The Spirit baptized you out of the family of darkness into the family of light. It was not water baptism. It was the spiritual baptism. The Holy Spirit taking you out of sin and placing you in to the body of holiness, the body of Christ. You were all baptized into one body. Whose body was it? Jesus' body, His church, 
We are the body of Christ. Whether we be a Jew or a Greek, whether we be bond or free, and have been how many? All. Every Christian, all made to drink of one spirit. All of us. He did not leave anybody out that calls upon the name of the Lord. We're all part of Christ's body. And so, why should a Christian desire to be holy? And if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, it's a very simple reason. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now a lot of, a lot of children, especially little boys, they want to be like their daddy. They follow their daddy around. They, they, they put his shoes on. They try to walk in his shoes. They mimic him and his work that he does. Uh, whether it would be yard work or, or uh, if he's a policeman, uh, put on his badge, put on his hat. Little boys like to mimic their father. So all of us are children of God. And we ought to want to follow our father. We ought to want to be like Jesus. And notice what Paul says. He gives a great illustration here in Romans chapter number 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. We are to be conformed to the image of of Jesus. You've ever watched someone work with clay and they mold and they shape and they scrape away and the finished product is a beautiful uh, vase or a, a, a statue or a, a, some sort of a, a image of someone and, and you just are amazed that they could take just a lump of clay and make that into that is what Jesus wants us to be doing. He wants the Holy Spirit to be the sculptor. And we are to be the lump of clay. And He's to fashion us after Christ. After His image. We are to be like Jesus. Be like your Father. So what is the Lord's will concerning His children? What is the Lord's will? And the, and the Lord's will is simply that we all allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. In other words, to mold us. Notice uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will or the call of God. Even your sanctification. It's the call of God upon your life. That you allow the Holy Spirit to mold you into the image of Christ. Now, sanctification, like the last uh, lesson that we're going to have next week in this series on what is uh, salvation, glorification. That will be next week's message. What is glorification? These two elements of salvation... They are at work in our lives now, but they will be finished 
when Christ comes. In other words, sanctification will be complete when we are in His presence. Glorification will be complete when we are standing in His presence. And we'll teach this, if you'll be patient and come back next week, uh, and you'll understand thoroughly, I believe, that you are going to be one day perfect. Now, some of you may think you are now, but i got bad news for you. My wife lets me know all the time that that has not happened yet. You just burst my Bible. Uh, sanctification comes to us in three parts. Now, let's, let's examine this, and you'll get the understanding. First of all, positionally, believers are eternally set apart for God by redemption. We are eternally set apart by God through redemption or by redemption. Let us read Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. Hebrews 10, 10. And that is our verse for today. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How often? Once. Once for all. Doesn't have, to be, doesn't have to happen again. You don't have to go back and pray for more sanctification. You just have to go back and say, God, I want to yield a little bit more of me to you. And actually, we ought to say, I throw the white flag of surrender up. Take it all. Because some of the times we want to hold back on God certain things like our tithe or our, our time or our talent or even sometimes even our temple. We don't want to surrender it the way it ought to be surrendered because Christ surrendered everything for us. And so we see it is eternal, this sanctification. Turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. And notice what the writer says in verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren. What does he call you? Sanctified brethren. Set apart brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling. What's that mean? You got saved. God called you. You took part. You said, Jesus, come into my life and save me. He set you apart. You're a holy brother or sister. Don't be afraid of holiness. It's what you ought to be. It's, all, it's the way you ought to act. It's the way you ought to talk. It's the way you ought to look at things. Consider the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians. Man, what a book. What a blessed writing Paul gave us here. The church at Ephesus received this letter from the apostle Paul. And look, one, two, three, four, five, six, six times in chapter one, he tells you, you are eternally in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Well, I'm in the church house this morning, amen, but I've been saved, therefore I'm in Christ. He's in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you had an empty glass here and you poured water in it you would fill it with to the brim that's how God wants to use us we should be filled with the Holy Spirit 
Because we are in Christ. Where are you today? Are you in Christ? Are you halfway there? No. You're either in Christ or you're lost. You're either in or out. There's no halfway with this. Look at this. Ephesians 1.1. Ephesians 1.1. And we're just going to look in Ephesians. There are many of in Christ phrases throughout the scripture. But look in, in chapter 1. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful, where? In Christ. Where are you today? I'm in Christ. Praise God, I'm in Christ. Number three, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You're in Christ. Verse four. According as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, where he has chosen us in him. That's in Christ. Verse 10. Verse 10. That in this, in the dispensation of the uh, fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things where? In Christ, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted, where? Who? In Christ. And verse 20, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Why I'm so thankful today I'm in Christ. Praise God. I am in a secure place. Amen. Amen. I may be in trouble in my car someday going over a mountain, but I'm still in Christ. I may be in a burning house someday falling in. I'm still in Christ. You get the idea. We're saved eternally. We're in Christ. Now let's, let's go to experience. That means daily believers are being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word and Scripture. Through the Word and Scripture. In other words, this morning, you're getting a good, you're getting a good bath. You know why? You're being bathed in the Word of God as you sit here. If you're listening... And you're paying attention. You're getting a spiritual bath today because you are being bathed in the Word of God. You're not getting some philosophy. You're not getting some good, good, good feeling sermonette. You are being told the Word of God which cleanses us from our sin. Let us read what Paul said to second to the, the church at Corinth. Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, behold, as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed by the Holy Spirit as we hear the word of God, let us turn to uh, let us turn to Ephesians chapter five. Boy, this is a great one. This is this is about taking a bath this morning. 
All right. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify or set it apart and cleanse it. How? With the washing of water by the, help me, word. When you got saved, you were sanctified, set apart, become in Christ. But every day, you walk in a defiled world. You are among lost people. You are in places where God is not honored. Therefore, when you come to God's house or at your home, you have your own personal devotion or you listen to WEMM or to 104.1 K-Love Radio or you listen to Billy Graham on Christian TV or uh, one of the other godly men that preach today like Charles Stanley and you hear the word, or you read a Christian author, or you listen to a, a gospel song on your CD or your uh, M3 player or whatever, that is cleansing you. That is being under the word. It's a washing. It's a renewing of yourself. It is committing yourself as you look in the mirror and we see dirt on our face or a blemish or a pimple or a sore or and we try to soothe it and cover it and some of you ladies use makeup some men might even to try to cover things that that are not pleasant to look at the worst washing of the word removes that defilement as you read, as you hear, as you're in the Word, this washing takes place. This renewing of your life takes place. That's why this pandemic has bothered me so much about us not being able to be together. Because I'm going to be honest now. Listen, we all can get slack. We can all not pick up our Bible and not read it. Sometimes people only depend upon what they hear from their preacher. They don't do it at home because they're so busy doing other things, which they ought not put before the Lord, but they do. Therefore, if they're not in assembly, then they're not getting anything. Therefore, what are they getting? They're getting away from being washed and clean. And let me tell you something. If you don't take a bath in a few days, you start to do something called stink. And that's spiritually speaking too. If you're not in the Word, if you're not in the daily bread, if you're not in the Bible, if you're not under Christian influence, you're going to be more like the world than you are Christ. Thirdly, the third part of this process called sanctification is coming. It's called the consummation. Or the believer waits for the return of of Jesus to complete his sanctification. Look in verse 27 of Ephesians 5. 
When we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, which all Christians will stand at, that he might present it. What's it? His church. He might present his church, a glorious church, not having a spot, not having a pimple or wrinkle or dirt on your face and such thing, but that you should be holy without blemish. When we stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, which I have taught you several times during my two years of being your pastor here, we are going to be, He is going to be revealed to us the things that we should have done that we didn't do. But He's going to reward us for the things that we did do for His glory and His honor. Not for our pat on the back, but for His glory. The judgment seat of Christ. This is the final sanctification. He can then present us to His Father as His bride. Next Saturday, John A. Turner will walk Jenna Turner down the aisle and he will present her to her to be husband as His wife, His bride. When Christ comes, he will present us because He will have cleaned us up. He saved us on earth. He attempted to get us to be as holy, living people as He could. And then He'll finally give us the, the final touch. And we'll be like Christ then. Perfect. We are not yet, but we will be. Let us turn to being like Christ. When we see Him as He is, First. John chapter number 3 and verse 2. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. Behold, now we are the children of God and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be what? Like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We're going to be like Him because He has washed us completely in His blood and set us aside for His service and He will at the judgment seat of Christ complete that. He'll remove it all that's been wrong and He'll restore us into complete perfectness. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the more, the more committed a believer becomes to Christ through the process of experience, sanctification, the more he will have Sin. Hate sin. Listen, we ought to hate sin. What I saw on the television last night, I hated that. That disrupted me. That, that just turned me to every end wrong. I, I didn't sleep well and, and it didn't digest. And it's still an image that I hate to think of. God looks into our hearts and our lives and He sees the pornography. He sees the, the lies. He sees the untrustworthiness. He sees that we're not serving Him the way we ought to and it hurts Him. He hates our sin. But He loves the sinner. He loves you. He doesn't want you. Just like my mom. Man, she used to scrub me. I mean, I got in that three, uh, number three tub and I got scrubbed. Boy, if I got out and got dirty after she scrubbed me, I got spanked. I got the whooping. And that's the way God feels. When we 
come to church and we get things right with God and oh, we feel great and then we go out and we watch an X-rated movie. That's not pleasing to God. We, we get out and we get with our buddies and, and somebody offers us a little sip of something that we ought not sip and we take it and it's not right with God. It's not what God wants. And we get mad at somebody after we go out of the church house going down the road and they cut us off or something and we say something that we ought not say and God's not happy with that. That's defilement. That's sin. That's wrong. And we ought to say, God, forgive me. Help me not to be that way. Let the Spirit of God control me. We ought to hate sin. Isaiah chapter number 6 is the, uh, the vision that Isaiah had of, of God. And he said in verse 5, Woe is me. I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And, and Brother Paul, he said, man, I'm, I'm having a real tough time. I hate my flesh. I hate what I'm doing. I, I, I despise that I can't stay completely, completely surrendered to God. But my old flesh, he, it's wrestling with me. It's, it's causing me a problem, chapter 7. The book of Romans, verse 24. He said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? You see, my friends, listen carefully. You may not like this, but that's okay. I'm speaking today. You can speak next Sunday. If, if you are in the Word daily, you attend, you attend church, you listen to gospel music and preaching, and you'll be more like Jesus. But if you watch... Secular television. If you listen to secular music and you go to the movies and you pay your money to watch X-rated and R-rated and, and trash and junk that Hollywood wants to pollute us with, you can only know one thing. You're out of the will of God. You're not under the experience, sanctification of the Holy Spirit. You... you if you don't come to Sunday school, if you are, you're not going to be clean before God. It's, it is a fight with that old nature daily and with the things of the world that want to lure us away from the, the Word. Like our sister said, she woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and had to go read because the Spirit urged her to do so. Listen, don't quench the Spirit. Don't deny the Spirit access to your life. Surrender yourself to Him. Sanctification is the chief function of the Holy Spirit. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Sanctification is the, is the chief function of the Holy Spirit. Now in chapter 6, Paul is naming all the sins that the church at Corinth, the members of that church, had committed. I'm just going to go over a few of them real quick. In verse 9 there he says, uh, uh, fornication and idolatry and, and uh, uh, adultery and effeminate, homosexual, uh, the abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, Revilers, what we saw last night on the television, looters, extortioners, people that steal. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says in verse 11, and such 
for some of you. And may I say to you, and such before you got saved were some of you. And me. We were all sinners. But what has He done? He has washed you and sanctified you and justified you in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? By the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. He took all that trash out of our lives and He set us apart to be a to be an object of His love. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 again. And we've already read this verse once. Ephesians chapter 1, at verse number 13. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance. In other words, quote unquote, Johnny Godby uh, paraphrase, he is the down payment. The down payment on your salvation. He has come to possess you and that he will use you to glorify the Father. But We've only tasted a little of it. We've only tasted the Holy Spirit a little. When we get to heaven, we will be completely like Jesus. We are, will be consumed in the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't be that way now because we're in the flesh. And these people that believe you can lose your salvation or you don't, you don't, you don't live the way you ought to, it's because your own flesh takes you away from what you ought to say to Christ, I surrender all. I surrender all to you, Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says in verse number 7, For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man but God, who hath also given unto us His, who? Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter number 1 again, verse 13 of uh, red, verse 13 and 14. We already read 13 and 14, okay? We want to go to 430. 4.30. And this is how God wants us to be. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, by whom also you are sealed. How long? How long are you sealed? How long are you saved? Until the day of what? Redemption. Now we were saved, we were redeemed, but there's coming another redemption when the body is going to go to the ground and the soul is going to go with God or when the rapture is going to take place and the body and the soul and the spirit's all going to go at the rapture. That's complete sanctification. Amen? And finally, the greatest motivation for holiness and sanctification in a believer's life is the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. Listen, let me let me ask you a question. Be honest. Now you have to you have to talk to yourself. I, I'm not going to listen in on what you're saying to yourself now. All right. But if 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 I told you Jesus was coming at three o'clock this afternoon, look at me. 
Three o'clock, he's coming. Now, I'm telling you, he's coming at three o'clock. Now, I don't know that for sure, all right? But I'm telling you, he's coming. What would you do? Would you go home and eat dinner and sit back and watch television? Would you go home and, uh, and take a nap? Well, I think a lot of us would go home and get some things straightened up. I think we'd make some phone calls and get some things right. I think we might go visit somebody and tell them we're sorry. Man, I, I don't want to stand before God with this on my, on my soul. I don't, I don't want to, oh, there's somebody I need to go talk to that's not saved yet, and I've been putting that, I believe you'd go do those things. Well, why don't you? You don't know he's not coming at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Why don't you? You see, the second coming is like a spur in an old horse. Make him go quicker, right? You ever ridden a horse and gouged him a little bit? He'll go a little quicker. Well, we ought to want to go a little quicker for the Lord. Listen. Verse number 12, chapter 2 of Titus. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 3. And he's talking about the second coming here. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 10. 2 Peter 3.10. And the scripture says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You see, you don't know at 3 o'clock this afternoon he's not coming. He's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come when you don't expect it. He's going to, he's going to come when you're not even thinking about it. Woo. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works thereof shall be burnt up. Drop down to verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found in him in peace, without spot and blank. You know, Candace here, she ought not to be able to point her finger at Mr. Godin and say, I saw what he did. I know what he said. I heard what he said. We ought to live a life that people cannot find fault. Now, are we perfect? Oh, no, we're not. Remember, I've done told you. We're fighting with the devil every day about these things. But people ought to see Christ in you first. When they look at you, they ought not to see fault. They ought to see Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow, bow our heads. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.